This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, Jamie here and welcome to the Sound of Hope podcast. On this week's episode, we chat with Aaliyah. She's previously come on the podcast before to talk about being a Spoonie entrepreneur. But this week, we're talking to her about her mobility assistance service dog, what the process was like for her to get the service dog, how it's been working out, and how it might actually be helpful for you. And we also touch on our own personal experiences with disability and acknowledging and accepting our disabilities in a positive way. It's an episode you're not going to want to miss, so stay tuned. Hey guys, I'm back here with Leah. She's come on the podcast before. She is um, the founder of an app called Cora Health. And this app is coming out soon in a couple of months. And it's basically this app to help people find correlations between different symptoms and flare-ups, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what we're here to talk about, but that was definitely a shameless plug about her app. <laughs> Go follow her at Cora.health. I'm so excited about this app. How are you, Leah? Good, good. I'm so glad to be here again. You know, I we've talked about it before, but it's just so random how we met and I love that we've become friends and I don't know it's really exciting to be here again yeah likewise and I think as well like you and I are so I don't know we've just connected in such a great way where it's like hey do you want to come on a live and I'm like sure and I'm like hey do you want to come on a podcast and like I think that this is I'm feeling that you will be a frequent guest on the podcast to give opinions about different topics and stuff I have lots of opinions about all sorts (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> do. So we can just talk about stuff. Perfect. That um, sounds great. Yeah. What? So first of all, like, how are you going? What's what's happening in your life at the moment? Um, what's the update? Because we talked to you a couple months ago before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been uh, pretty wild. Shortly after we talked last, things got like really hectic and really stressful um, with the app. Um, creating an app is not a small feat. And I didn't know that before I took this on. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. It's exhausting. Um, the team we were working with ended up not working out, which was, um, its own frustration and that on top of, you know, just chronic illness and, you know, the stress of COVID and everything that's just going on. Um, I, I ended up having like some pretty severe flares and was pretty shut down and it was a rough season. Um, I feel like I'm just starting to come out of it. Even this week I had like a flare for like five days that I'm just coming out of. So it's been like a lot of downs mixed with like a few ups. So I'm hoping that that cycle kind of switches again. Um, definitely coming out of a stressful season. I mean, we all have them. So, uh, looking forward to some positivity you know the app was delayed as everyone knows so it launches um may 2021 so here in a couple months but it'll be worth the delay will be worth it because we're going to get some incredible updates in there so yeah that's kind of what's been going on yeah awesome i'm sorry about the delay that unfortunately that's pretty normal with like tech yeah everyone keeps telling me that so um (laughs) I wouldn't be too like, yes, it's pretty normal. So you're not doing anything wrong, essentially. But everyone says they're like, every app gets delayed. I'm like, I don't like delays, <laughs> but I was yeah, so it's organized. Okay. It's a delay, you know, it's, and it's actually going to make it better than it was because at where it was, I had like things I wanted to update for version two, version three, that kind of thing um, that are all going to be able to be incorporated in version one. So it'll be pretty incredible, but 
the delay is frustrating. But like you said, that's not what we're here to talk about today. So Shame, <laughs> another shameless plug. I, <laughs> I love it. I could talk about it forever. Um, well, you and I could talk about various topics forever. Right, but right. we'll try to stay on topic for the sake of our listeners. Um, what I wanted to come talk, come on and talk to you about today was your service dog because yeah. this is something that you brought up in the last episode. And I was like, I really want to unpack this, but I know we don't have time because I'm pretty sure it's a pretty long conversation around that. So mm-hmm. you obviously have a service dog. How long have you had your service dog? Um, so she and I have been together, um, about two years now. Um, I think, man, COVID really messed up my time frame. I think it's been, I think it's been two years now, um, or like a year and a half, somewhere between a year and a half and two years. I don't even know what month it is right now. It's two okay. years this March. That's what it is. It will have been two years this March. There. It took me a minute, but I got there. Um, and she's been absolutely life-changing, um, she Kana is a she's right next to me I'm like petting her (laughs) you can't see her though um Kana is a mobility assistance service dog and she helps me with a lot of different mobility issues as we talked about last time I have uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and POTS and they provide various complications but one of the biggest things I was struggling with uh was general mobility um, because my joints and everything are so unstable um I I'll run into issues I was falling a lot um and then that would injure me Um, and that, that's definitely a downward spiral. You know, when you're injuring yourself constantly, uh, that's its own difficulty, its own, its own concern, you know, uh, and the general instability of my joints was causing me to become less and less mobile. Uh, we were looking at the potential of me needing a a wheelchair and how, how frequent I might need it could become permanent. And there was just so many unknowns. I was walking uh, most days with a cane. I was in school at the time in university and uh, I couldn't get from my car to the class. A lot of days it was like even parking in handicap. I couldn't get from my vehicle to the class because it was too far and I couldn't carry my textbooks and I couldn't make that walk and my cane was doing a lot of damage to my shoulder and my elbow and all these other things so it was it was things were just getting really challenging and we're trying to figure out what next steps were and uh, a couple of my doctors recommended a service dog and that's where that journey kind of started wow I'm just so excited to keep unpacking this because it's really interesting um First of all, what, um, can you explain like what a service dog is? Because I think also people get the conception like that it would, it's for example, just for blind people, for example, which is awesome. Like I used to be involved with like guide dogs for the blind, or like I went to a, a center where I grew up in Oregon and they're so helpful, but for someone like with an invisible illness or anything like how would you define a service dog what kind of like things do they help with in yeah. terms of illness and other conditions so there's a bunch of different types of service dogs um I'll put a disclaimer out there my knowledge is based on um laws and everything regarding U.S. service dogs so I'm going to be speaking to that uh but in the United States a service dog is um any dog trained to perform um a task or multiple tasks that mitigate a disability. 
So anyone who has a disability um, that a dog is able to be trained to assist or improve, you know, is, is qualified as a service dog. Um, before I go into types of service dog, one thing that I think is really important, it's a big pet peeve in the service dog community, and it's something that's extremely harmful, is there's a scam that is, um, I think, international, but absolutely in the United States, um, where people, you can, for $25, purchase a scam certificate online that says your dog is a service dog or that certifies your dog as a service dog or an ESA, emotional support animal, um, and it's completely fraudulent right? It, yeah, wow. Certificates don't mean anything in the United States. There is no such thing as a certified service dog. You can have it certified with a program, but it does not mean your dog is a service dog. The ADA does not recognize that as like, there is no such thing as a certified service dog under the ADA. And like, I can yeah, say wow. that hundred. no such thing as a certified service dog. What's um, the ADA? Anyway, like, ADA is um, like our disability law here in the United States. Okay. So it's kind of what covers service dogs and all the laws surrounding service dogs will be the ADA. You'll hear me refer to the ADA a lot. And it's, that's it's just all of our laws. That's all related. of the laws relating to disability in America. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's what, it's like what covers, of course, like, of course, I know what it means all the time. And now that you've asked, like the acronym is out of my head, but <laughs> um, it's like something disability act and I'll yeah, get maybe like the American Disability Act or something like that. Or like yeah, I can't. I'm like so embarrassed that I can't even remember it right that's now. Okay. But that's how it goes, you know. It just there it goes right out of your head. Anyway, um, so according to the ADA law, what qualifies a dog as a service dog is it is trained to perform a task that mitigates a disability, and it adheres to all the behavioral guidelines. So, mm -hmm. for example. Kana, my service dog, um, she was professionally trained. They don't have to be professionally trained, but she was trained by a program. And um, she, you know, has all of her skills down. She has all of her behaviors down. But if she were to have a bad day, because they're not robots and they do have bad days. If she were to have a bad day, I, as a, a store owner, a business owner would be perfectly within their rights to deny us access. Um, regardless of the fact that she is a professionally trained service dog that is mitigating a disability that does have trained tasks that is le legitimate if her behavior, right? Like if she's barking or whining or moving around or not doing what I'm telling her, or if she had accidents in public or any of these things that are not acceptable service dog behaviors, then a business owner could, would absolutely be legally within their rights to deny the service. Um, and I think a lot of business owners don't realize that they think that they can't deny any service dog. And if they knew that it would be a lot uh, better for us service dog owners, because our dogs rarely misbehave in public. They, they do have a bad day occasionally, but that's not something you're going to see typically in a legitimate service dog. Yeah. And whereas probably also ahead, you're, if your dog's having a bad day, you're probably not going to go out in public with your dog. Exactly. You know, when your dog off, you know, like, when your dog's sick, you know, yeah, you, <laughs> legitimate service dogs you're gonna like make sure they're looked after and all of that for the most part yeah. yeah and I mean there are like the day I brought Connor home while we were still getting in sync and I didn't fully know her um the first day she came home to me after we had done our week of transfer and everything uh we went into Target and she had diarrhea in Target she was sick you know and yeah. it was awful and it was embarrassing and everyone looked at me like my service dog was fake and it was a total fluke and she's never had issues since it was one day where she had like this awful germ and we went to the vet and like she was on this medicine for like two weeks right it was a whole thing 
you know, and it happens and it sucks. Like, but that's not to, and I cleaned it up immediately and took her out immediately. And it was all handled very professionally and very quickly. Right. It was not a burden on the store. You know, it was embarrassing, but it was handled very smoothly. Uh, whereas, you know, there's these horror stories, of people taking fraudulent service dogs into stores and they make messes and they just leave them there. And the store people have to clean it up. You're like, are you kidding me? This is not acceptable. Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So having, that's definitely a huge issue here in the United States is because it makes an issue for legitimate service dog teams like Kana and I, because we'll go into a store and they'll be like, do you have your certificate to prove that they're a service dog? And I'm like, there is no such thing as a certificate. Legally, you can't ask me for paperwork. I don't have paperwork. Is my dog behaving properly? Yes. Do I have a disability? Yes. But you're not allowed to ask about my disability. You know, like, are Can we adhering to all that? that? Yeah, well, I've actually made a little business card that I usually hand to people because I got too yeah. overwhelmed trying to like defend myself. So I'll like just bring like a little printout of the ADA law with me and be like, here's what it says according to ADA law. But when the person before me with their fake service dog comes in and is like, here's my certificate. Then the store owner is like, well, that dog sucked, but they had a certificate. So what am I supposed to do? It's like, no, there's no such thing. It's totally fraudulent. It's totally fake. And yeah, it's a well. huge. So anyway, that there's my like big pet peeves out of the way. <laughs> don't, don't take service. Don't take certificates in and pretend like that qualifies as a service dog in the United States. There it is. That's the big one. We'll get out of the way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's rough. Um, but as far as types of service dogs go, to get back to your original question, um, there's a lot of different types of service dogs. Some of the most commonly known types would be obviously, you know, service dogs for the blind or deaf. Those are the ones that you're most commonly going to see, right? Um, or, or know about, like in movies and like your general awareness. But then there's also service dogs like Kana, who's a mobility assistance service dog. Um, there's service dogs that are seizure alert service dogs. There's service dogs to um, mitigate extreme anxiety disorders yeah. um, and uh, diabetic alert dogs, which can alert you and, and allergy dogs that can alert you if you are, um, if there's an allergen in the food you're about to eat, you know, diabetic alert dogs that can let you know if you're crashing, you know, they can smell the blood sugar levels and they can alert you to that. I mean, the things that dogs are able to be trained to do is absolutely incredible so you'll have some that are psych psychiatric service dogs that are trained to um like interrupt you like if someone is having like um either harming themselves or having like a nervous tick where they're like scratching their arm constantly or like pulling out their hair the dog will be trained to see that behavior and interrupt it and they'll like get between you and your hand so that you stop doing that and like lick your face until you like kind of come back to yourself um, and like distract and interrupt you. Um, you know, diabetic alert, like I said, will smell your blood sugar levels and be able to kind of alert you to that. Seizure alert, um, they're trained to sense. I, I don't exactly know how that one works, but I think it's a smell thing also um, that during a seizure episode, there's some chemical reaction that a dog would be able to alert to ahead of time. So there are so many different types of service dogs and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, wow. Okay, so... Your service dog is mobility aid from what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. Can I ask, yeah. so what, this is actually something I've been thinking a lot about for myself and for even people in the community about mobility aids and almost coming to the realization of that, like you're a disabled person and like mm -hmm. that 
personal journey of like, actually, this is getting bad enough that I'm getting to the point where I actually need help. Was was that a pretty um, easy thing for you, or did it was it a journey? Or do you know no. what I mean? Like, did it was it a yeah. problem or was it like, no, I'm disabled, I need help? You no, know? honestly, I still I still struggle, you know, with that word. Um, I think just because I grew up with like a lot of stigma around it, where it's like, um, you know, disabled was it was either you know you were visibly missing limbs or um you know you had like a mental disability like my sister-in-law has downs you know so my view of that word it was very different growing up you know and yeah. I really struggled kind of accepting that label it's like I I needed a handicap placard and they gave me a handicap cap handicap placard and I still would have a hard time being like oh I'm disabled you know like you know what's I need funny can I just say something about the word handicap because yeah. it's actually, it's interesting because I actually used that word when I first moved to Australia. And in Australia, it's actually, it's inappropriate to use the word handicap. Oh, interesting. For like a disability. And I'm not actually 100% sure why. I think it's, I think um, it's like derogatory here or something. So I've had to look, I haven't, I've had to train myself to say that. So I'm just putting, actually going to put a disclaimer for anyone listening. Like it's actually very common and socially acceptable to use the word handicap in, in the United States in yeah. the United States when we're talking about disability so I'm just mm-hmm. putting a little disclaimer well specifically I mean it's not something you would you don't typically hear someone say like oh that person is handicapped uh even though that wouldn't necessarily be a derogatory thing in the United States but all of our parking spaces um and all of our placards reserved uh, for for those with disabilities are all called handicap parking yeah handicap exactly parking. yeah so it's and it's like written on there so like everywhere you go that is the word that would just be very that's the yeah I word. said it to someone when I came here and he said Jamie you can't say that and I was wow. like oh I can't and he's like yeah, no, you can't like that's not okay to say and I was like oh okay well good to know like yeah. it's crazy yeah, it's cultural things yeah well I definitely don't want to offending people no you can keep saying I'm just putting a disclaimer because I think it's similar in the UK and maybe even in Canada Canada even with I mean I can see why I mean I've never thought about it before because it's so common here I mean it's literally every time you go to any parking lot you see the word um so it's not something I ever considered before but I can see why that wouldn't be the most positive term (laughs) you know like not it's not the most positive term that's for sure but uh yeah it's very common here no but feel free to continue that I'm just yeah I was just saying interesting the more you know cultural difference that I learned and even if you look at the community and the way that the chronic illness community talks about disabilities I've actually Mm -hmm. never heard of someone refer to the word well maybe once or twice from Americans but anyone else disabilities yeah, and like I said, it's pretty much only used here when referencing, you know, the handicapped spots or placards, yeah. you know. Um, I think it's just probably left over. They didn't want to, like, change every sign in every parking yeah. lot in the United States, so that's my guess. Um, uh, sorry to cut you off. but No, yeah. no it's so interesting. I, lo- I, I love learning. Well, yeah, it is. I think just it's just very interesting, the cultural differences and even just how um, disability is handled in different countries. Like, I yeah. think from what I've noticed. It's so offensive for someone visiting the United States to have that everywhere. Like if you need to reserve, you know, 
special seating for yourself, you know, dis disabled seating or something. And like the movie theater or the restaurant or everywhere and online, you got to reserve it and it's all handicap, handicap. You yeah. know, be like, oh, how dare you? You know, like it's, that would be, it's, it's would be really shocking. Yeah, right. Um, Those Americans. Bless. No, <laughs> I, I love America, but it's just, it. I think it's America's a little bit behind the times when it comes to mentalities around disabilities. Yeah. I think lots of countries are. I think France is probably similar in my experience. But like mm -hmm. a place like Australia and I think the UK and Canada as well. I don't know if it's because they're Commonwealth countries, but um, it's just more, there's more resources here for, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, yeah, it's different. It's a, there's less yeah. of a stigma, I think, around people with disabilities and more so. Well, it's so interesting because we've, you know, gone live with people from all over the place, you know, like the UK and Germany and Canada, and everyone has the same story about struggling to get diagnosed with a chronic illness. You know, it's like, how yeah. is this a global issue that we're all like, has nobody figured this out yet? Like, come on, people, you know, yeah. maybe in 10 years or something, you know, we'll see. But yeah, anyway, so, so uh, back to what you were saying after yeah, that whole tangent with the word disabled. Um, it, it did it I mean I still struggle with it a little bit um it did take me a while I was in denial for a really long time it just kind of felt like I, you know even now I kind of deal with it because I'm really working hard with nutrition and exercise to improve my symptoms and live with less symptoms even though my condition's incurable um where like one day I'll just picture myself being like super athletic and super strong and achieving this place where I'm going to be able to like you know, be very active with my family and hiking, going all over the place. It's going to be incredible. Um, and then the next day I'm in so much pain. I'm in bed all day and I'm like, I'm going to be sick the rest of my life, you know? And I just go like, it's, ugh, it just switches every day with this view of, am I healthy? Am I sick? And, you know, and, and I know that I have a condition that I have to deal with the rest of my life. But even now there's still some denial on some days, especially if I've had like a period where I felt well for a while, where I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe I was overreacting. Maybe I'm, I'm not as sick as I thought I was. And then like, it'll hit me again. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. This is really yeah, rough. You know, even just with that, it's something I've been thinking about lately. Cause it's like, because of the nature of, of our conditions and a lot of people's mm -hmm. conditions is symptoms vary. So one day you're not going to be able to walk longer than 50 meters. Mm -hmm. The the next day you can walk two kilometers and you're fine. Like it's just, mm -hmm. And then, then it's like, then that it goes into that whole stigma around like, okay, well, do I need, for example, a disability parking pass? Do it because some days I don't, some days I do. And <laughs> it's just this, it's a struggle because I think it's hard because it's like, we tend to maybe not advocate for ourselves as much, at least for me, it's like, I keep yeah. anticipating that it's going to get better. It's going to get better, <laughs> which is good. Because you want to, I think it's good to be in a place of like, I'm never going to give up trying to get better right. or trying right. to improve my symptoms, but also acknowledging where you're at and being like, you know what? And I actually had this revelation this week with, because a friend, like, I, cause I'm thinking I'm going to get some, I'm working on getting some disability help from my university. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm disabled. And That's it, when I first really kind of accepted it too, was when I had to get help at my university through their DOS program, which is like their disability program. And I was like, oh man, I'm disabled. 
I know. And I didn't really process that. Really just this weird thing. Cause I was like, not to like cut you off, but it's just an interesting oh. conversation. Cause like, I've been thinking about this and cause I'm, I've talked many times on this podcast about my ankle and mm-hmm. how I'm in pain when I walk because, mm-hmm. and it's been a year and a half. It wasn't as big of a deal last year because of COVID we were in lockdown, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But now I'm going back to uni and mm-hmm. I spent the first part of this week stressing out about how I was going to get there, where I was going to park, uh, like all of these, like what that was going to be like if I had to park far away and then end up walking and that was going to be painful. And was really difficult. And then I was like thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm stressing about this when it's actually there's support for people like me. Yeah. And then I'm like, had this revelation of I'm disabled. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? How it's something you don't even process, you know, like you go through and you're just fighting all of these things you're used to dealing with. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. You're like, oh my gosh, there is support for me. Yeah. Like, I just needed to like reach out and accept it. Like I needed to one, accept the circumstance I'm in and accept what my life is now and then accept the help that's available. You know, like, yeah, I think part of when you're still in denial, you can't accept the help, you know? Um, Yeah. And look again, I think for me, it's like, and I want to, you probably have had this similar, um, you can speak to this. It's like, if I accept disability as a label, that means that I'm just accepting it as a reality for the rest of my life, or that means I'm not fighting against it anymore. And I think for me, it was breaking that, like that mindset of like, if I tell my friends and family that I'm accepting the label of a disability, are they going to look at me and be like, Oh, she's given up. You know what I mean? Right. You couldn't have said it better. That's exactly exactly the feelings I've had where it's like does this mean that I've given up right like and and like you said the forever like does this mean forever and it's like no it doesn't mean you won't find ways to improve that doesn't mean you can't find ways to make yourself less disabled in the future or or live with less disability in the future you know but but when you have a chronic illness life is unpredictable and for some people I mean I a lot of people have it much more difficult than I do and I would never want to undermine what they go through or or you know like make it seem less than you know I know not everyone has the opportunity to pursue the exercise and nutrition that I'm working on for myself you know and it's not what works for one person is not going to necessarily work for another so I'm not recommending anyone pursue my path but it, it had to come to a place where I was like no I can still work to get better despite this, because that, that was a huge fear I had with getting a service dog, right? I was like, yeah. I need a service dog right now, very severely. Yeah. But what if I don't next year or the year after or in five years or in 10 years? Like, aren't you supposed to be permanently disabled to need a service dog? And I struggle with that a lot where I was like, what if I improve like I'm hoping to? And the truth is, I would never have improved as much as I have without her. I would have continued to decline I would not have had the support, the support I needed. She has been an absolute miracle. The things she can do for me is just mind blowing. Like the way she has supported me is, is just unreal. Um, and I would never have improved or be able to continue improving like I am without her. And because of her, I might not need her someday. You know what I mean? Like, 
without her, I would have always needed her. But with her, I might not need her someday. You know what I mean? It's the weirdest, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually such a good point because I had the same thought because I was thinking I'm going to be so stressed out about driving to university because public transportation makes me sick. Where am I going to park? It's going to stress me out, which is going to make me flare up, which then is going to make me perform less less at right. uni, which then is going to affect my health and make my pain worse. And if I just get the support, then right. I can probably manage and actually get better so that in six months, eight months time, I won't need the support. Whereas if I don't get it now, it might not get mm-hmm. better. Does that make sense? So I think what you're saying yeah, is exactly. a good point because for, for people listening that are like debating am I disabled? Do I need that? What I still want to get better. It's like, it's okay to be temporarily disabled. It's okay to be Mm long-term disabled. Disability can be cool. It can be people like you and me that are running businesses that are, that are slaying it at uni, at life, at family, like all of these things, yet still struggling, living that silent battle. It can be anyone, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and everyone is going to have their own experience with that. You know, like you don't have to compare yourself to someone else. Like one experience with disability might not be the same as another. Like we all have like, like a crappy hand dealt at some point, like whether it's dealing with health issues or mobility issues or, you know, disability things or financial things, or, you know, you know, struggle drama with the family or job stress, like, there's always going to be a period of life and for some longer than others and for some worse than others, that just is really sucks, you know? And I think it's okay to just be like, Hey, during this period of life, regardless of what you're going through, it's okay to accept help. You know, I think it's something, especially in the United States, we're not very good at um, is accepting help when we need it um, and being okay, you know, accepting temporary help or long-term help, depending on what we need to be okay in that moment, be like, what do I need right now? And then tomorrow, what do I need? What do you need tomorrow? Yeah. The next day, you know? And like just evaluating it one day at a time instead of being like, well, what will I need in five years? Like, you don't know what you're going to need no, in five yeah. years. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's an, it's just a whole interesting conversation and thought process that I've been having recently. And I'm really glad to mm-hmm. have you on the podcast to chat about it. Cause it's something I've been yeah. thinking about. Um, so back to like service dog <laughs> again yeah. um yeah you so you get to the point where you realize you're disabled and you're like I need a service dog what did that process look like for you um so you know especially with invisible illnesses there's still a lot of programs that will only you know be working with kind of the four core like there'll be programs that only do service dogs for the blind or service dogs for the deaf and then there are service dogs that will, or programs that will only be working with service dogs that are like seizure alert, um, diabetic alert, or for veterans. So finding programs that do train mobility assistance dogs is actually um, more limited than you might think. Okay. Uh, and so I applied to a few of the local programs that did uh, you know, do specifically mobility service dogs or included that in their program. Um, and one of the ones that accepted me, I really loved, and we chose to work with them. Um, now some programs are, will fully fund your dog 
Um, and for a lot of those programs that will fully fund your dog, you might, if you're accepted, which they're usually packed and can't accept new people, but if you're accepted, you can wait two or three years for a dog. And then that yeah. dog is trained for another year or two. So you might be looking at five or six year process. Um, whereas other programs, you know, they may be able to try to offer a financial discount at some point or minimally, but they can't fully fund your dog. Um, yeah. and get your dog faster, but you have to pay the whole price. And the program we chose was one of these where you had to pay for the dog. Um, and they would like give you advice on how to fundraise or try to assist you with fundraising. They were like super supportive. Um, they're a nonprofit organization, but they just don't have the funds to provide your dog service dogs, um, can, can easily cost 15 to $20,000. Yeah. Um, and some that are, you know, seizure alert, the ones that are, um, even, I like consider them like higher level, you know, like the ones that are require even more significant training and focus where it's like, if you don't focus hundred percent of the time, you miss this, like, yeah, this can be for handler. Um, they can cost even more 25, $30,000. It's insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, how long between when you kind of fundraise the money and to get the dog and when you got the dog? And what so, was it like? Um, did they did they do an assessment of your own? Like, is it individualized? So they assess your own needs and then they train the dog based yeah, on. They, yeah. So all the programs will train the dog specifically to you. Yeah. Wow. Um, but you know, service dogs are custom trained for each. You know, and they might have like a general, especially like uh, for the blind or you know other things where like, okay, this is like a standard. They have to do these things. Uh, but even still, you have to customize it for that person. You know. And, and so with Kana, they had me come out and meet, you know, different candidates. And it was actually a really incredible um, story because uh, they had me come out and meet various dogs. They had me meet um, a, la uh, yeah, a lab, a Labrador, um, who was like really sweet, but like kind of short, like definitely like built strong, like stocky, but like kind of short. And I that would mean my handle had to be longer and there's like proportion wise what you're supposed to do for like height and weight for a mobility dog and things like that. Yeah. Um, and we just like didn't bond right away. Um, I was hoping for a German shepherd if possible. They brought me out a, another German shepherd to meet, and she was adorable, but she was tiny. Like she was like really small to like me. I was like, this dog is not, like, this dog's not going to be able to be my mobility dog, you know? Um, and then they brought me out a third dog. It was also a German shepherd beautiful dog we just didn't connect and I was like starting to feel really discouraged I was like man like I don't know if I'm gonna find my dog like because like I had had this dream that like I would see them and they would like run up to me and we'd have a connection and be like you're my dog you know but yeah. I was like, okay, this is a little unrealistic like wait a second you know um and then like I was starting to feel discouraged and starting to kind of like talk myself okay like Am I not like it might need to like bond over time? And, you know, like, and I think that is the case for a lot of people. But then the owner of this program happened to be walking by at that time. And she says to one of the trainers at the time, Connor's name was Tegan. And she says, Hey, go get Tegan, go get Tegan out of the kennel. And the, um, the trainer was like, What? Like, are, are you sure? Like, we just got her from the shelter. We don't know if she will qualify as a service dog. We don't know if she'll pass the behavioral temperament test. We don't know if she'll be able to pass the basic commands. We have no idea if she'll listen. Like, we know nothing about this dog. We have no idea if this dog will be admitted into our program. We just got her from the shelter. Um, and she has had zero training. And 
the owner's like, yeah, just bring her out. And like, so the owners bring her out. She's like, I'm getting chills. Them. Yeah. She's like dragging them. Right. And they're like, literally like leaning back, trying to hold the leash. And then she like sees me and she stops and like very calmly, like walked over to me and like put her head in my lap. And I was like, this is the one, this is the one I pictured. Oh and she was like, exactly how I pictured. Like it was absolutely insane. It was like <laughs> the most insane experience. I like can't eat, like it was straight out of a movie. I was like, this is the dog. And they're like, we don't even know if it's going to be a service. But like, we, they're like, we can't promise her to you. We don't know if she's part of the program. We, we, we don't even know if she'll be able to be a service dog. Cause they have to pass rigorous testing, you know? And I was like, but if she does, can I have her? And they're like, yeah, we'll let you know in a few weeks if she passes testing. And she did. Um, barely. <laughs> she's stubborn. She's she is really stubborn. So she even then was only like really receptive to one of their trainers mainly. Um, and even now she'll listen to me, but she doesn't listen to anyone else. She's just a very independent, very stubborn dog. And she's an amazing service dog for me. But um, we have this weird, unique bond that she just. That she, was like she, you were her person and that was it. Yeah. And it was like, I there's don't know nobody if she else. would have qualified anyone else. Yeah, I don't know she, she, she's very strong-willed. I feel like she's me and dog version. <laughs> so it's just, you guys get along. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it was the most incredible experience. Um, so anyway, we were paired together. Um, and then she went through about I think, eight or nine months of training. So mobility assistance dogs usually require a little less training than some of the other types. Um, cause other types of service dogs can, again, they have to have a lot more focus, right? If Khan is like looking at something while I'm using her for support, well, she's still supporting me. You know, she's still next yeah. to me. She's still supporting me. The fact that she's not like looking at me or like checking my vitals is not an issue. Whereas if I have a dog that like needs to be constantly checking to see if I'm about to have a seizure, they have to be perfectly focused. So it's a different level of training. Um, so Kana was able to, she's one of the dogs that was able to be trained a little bit faster. And uh, I think about eight months later, she came home to me March uh, two years ago. Wow. I was yeah. totally getting teary when you were telling me the story about how she came and put her head on your lap. It was I, like, I cannot explain. Like, I literally had dreamed that experience. Yeah. And, like, it was wow. Wild. So what kind of things does she help you with? On like a daily, what does that look yeah. like? You're saying, oh, she's, she can do so many things. Like what? Yeah, I mean, because I actually can't picture what that would look like. Yeah, so um, she has a custom harness that is made by Boldly Designs. I absolutely love them. Um, that is custom made to my height, so it's like the it's they make each each um, handle or each whole harness um, for an individual. They don't make any of them ahead of time. They make it for a specific person. And uh, it kind of straps onto her back, kind of like you would picture maybe like for a horse or that type of situation. And um, it's at the perfect bend. So my arm is not locked straight, but it's, you know, has a nice bend in it. And she'll walk next to me and I'll have my hand kind of balancing there. And if my knee or ankle or anything goes out of place, uh, then she will be able to catch me and kind of stabilize me so that I don't fall. And so right as she came home, um, I went from falling, um, a couple times a day or at least once a day to only falling like a couple times a month and then not falling at all because 
she would just be able to stabilize me. And within about a week and a half, two weeks of her coming home, she got to the point where she could sense, I have no idea how, so don't ask. She can sense when one of my joints is about to go out of place. So we'd be walking and she would just stop. And I'd be like, why are you stopping? And so I'd stop and look at her like, what's going on? Um, and then like my knee would slip and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I wasn't walking like this, like brilliant, like, you know, um, wow. and we got her specifically cause you're not really supposed to do a lot of mobility work, like putting pressure on a, a dog while they're walking. Cause it can be dangerous for them. It can like do a lot of damage. Uh, so we had to get a dog her size because she weighs almost as much as I do. And she's just massive. So she doesn't even notice my weight. It's insane. Um, she's just so strong, which makes it hard to get her to fit under restaurant, restaurant tables. Yeah. So big, but, um, it's worth it. Cause it, you know, mobility wise, she's able to do a lot. So then she'll usually just stop me if something's about to go out of place or, um, if I'm like having a lot of pain and don't realize it, she'll like come and like lick one of my joints. She's done that when I'm in bed, she'll like come over and like put her head on my ankle or something. I'll be like, Oh yeah, I need to shift that. You know? So she just has like this sense about me that I can't explain. Um, so that's very helpful. So the bracing, um, if I'm like down on the floor in a chair, she'll like come up in front of me and has a command steady, uh, where she'll kind of like, I give her the command kind of bounce on her back a couple times, um, just lightly. And it can't be on the center of her back. It has to be like shoulder blades in the back by her like tailbone. Um, and that prepares her that I'm about to put weight on her back. And I kind of use her almost like a rail to stand up and sit back down. Uh, and then she also provides counterbalance. So as I improved with her help, cause I'm not falling as much. So I'm not getting injured as much. She's stopping me before joints dislocate. So now I'm not having them dislocated severely and they're not causing damage. They're just slipping in and out and then I'm fine. So I had a lot less damage being done to my body. And so I was able to, I didn't need as much recovery and I was able to build more muscle. And suddenly I was improving my health just so quickly because of her, wow. um, and so then it got to the point where we don't always even need her harness anymore. Well, we won't always use her custom harness. We'll just use a leash. And, you know, if I start like leaning, like losing my balance and falling one way, she'll just put tension on the leash that kind of like pulls me back. And then if I start falling the other way, she's tall enough that she just leans against me. And again, it's like a rail because she's so tall that like it doesn't, I'm not going to fall that way. And so like, whether it's like tension or like leaning against me, she'll just provide that counterbalance and for most people, it looks like I'm just walking a dog. You're not even going to notice that she's doing these things. You know, it looks like yeah. there's a girl walking her dog and you don't see all the things she's doing to like, oh, like, oh, they stopped. Like, you don't know she stopped me, you know, or like, oh, they like, she's leaning apart. Like, you don't realize she's like balancing me. Like, there's so many things she does that people just don't, you can't see, like, unless you know that she's trained to do these things that you wouldn't notice that she's constantly assisting me, you know? You, um, was my what is I was gonna ask oh do you like try to use the leash more than the harness because it gets less attention or just out of curiosity or does it um, do you not no I really do basically whichever I need that day yeah. um the harness I actually get bothered less than the leash uh when there's just a leash people are more commonly more commonly assume that maybe you know we're a fake you know, service dog team because I look healthy and there's obviously nothing wrong with me, you know? Um, and so if I just have my dog on a leash, cause you can buy service dog gear on Amazon. Like you can buy all of her gear right on. Like anyone can put any of this on their dog and, and be like, Oh, it's a service dog. You know, it's like, no. Uh, 
but most people don't have like weird custom harnesses on their dog, you know? So like people see that and they're like, oh, they're probably legitimate. You know, like that's not something you see on like a fake team. So we get bothered less or like taken more seriously when she has her harness on. Um, but I still, I, I don't like making her use it unless we need it, you know, cause it's just extra gear and it's extra heat for her. And, you know, like if we don't need it, I, I don't want to make her wear it. Um, yeah. she doesn't seem to mind so much, but still like it's extra layers, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we definitely get bothered a lot less when she has that on than if we're just walking with a leash. Do you use her even like in the house and everything as well? Or is it mostly when sometimes I don't use her as much around the house. We, we have a really tiny guest house that we rent. So there's not a lot of space. Um, even for her to walk next to me and I can usually shuffle from one, one room to the next, you know, like that's not usually where I'm going to be struggling. It's more long walks, um, or like walking through the grocery store that like, after I've been walking 10 minutes, something's going to go out. Or, um, especially if I'm trying to do anything active for the kids, like walking around the park or going for walks, or, um, we just went camping and everyone wanted to go on a hike. And it was like, it was like a flat hike with like very little, even uphill. And even that was like really difficult. And I was only able to do it because of her. So it's more, um, if I'm walking more than 10 minutes, that's when I really need her help short around the room kind of things. Or if I'm going to be sitting in one place for a long time, like at a restaurant or, um, like out at a meeting or something from sitting for a while, I'm usually really stiff afterward and I'll have a hard time getting up. And so she'll assist me getting up. Um, and that's, that's typically where I need more help. I don't usually need too much help around the house. There've been like two or three times that I've woken up in so much pain that I can't like get out of bed without her help. And then there have been a few times where I've fallen, um, while just like in the house, something will like go out unexpectedly. And before I used to like have to call my mother-in-law, um, and be like, Hey, I need you to come over to the house. Can you like watch the kids until I figure out how to get off the floor? And now I don't, I don't need to call anyone. Kana can come get me off the floor if I've fallen. So uh, she's there constantly if I need her, but I don't need her help around the house typically. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I'm just curious as well as, as like, is there, would you say that there's also an emotional component or like a mental health component that having her helps with as well? Yeah. You know um, I think for me, there's both a negative and positive there. Um, having a service dog for me can cause a lot of anxiety. So I have more anxiety than I used to in different ways, right? Because it, it draws a lot of attention. Um, and what we do reflects on the entire service dog community, you know? Um, so if, you know, we were to go in public and I were to fall or something were to happen, um, you know, it's just really stressful to have this added layer of attention, you know, like there, people used to stare at me when I used a cane, but now every person is looking at me and that can just be really overwhelming. A lot of times I just want to fade into the background. I want to be left alone. I'm like, please, like I need her help. Ignore me. Like, let me just walk into this room or walk into this meeting and not have every single person turn and be like, Oh, hey, baby. Hey, baby. You're like, Oh, shh. Like, leave us alone. Like, just leave us alone, you know? Um, so it, there can be actually a lot of anxiety, which yeah. is the opposite of like, Oh, does it help positively? It's like, yes, of course there's like an emotional component to it, but, um, there's also increased stressors, right? Like 
it's it's like having a newborn where you can't leave them in the car even if it's a short trip it's like I ordered a smoothie it's already ready for me like all I have to do is walk in and walk out you know and it's like things that like you know but now you always have an extra person to unload even if you don't necessarily need them for this like super short trip um you know you always have uh, an additional person with you in narrow aisles it can be difficult if people are not taking care of their shopping carts and they're running into you like there's just there's like a whole nother person to be thinking about constantly because it's my job to take care of her too you know so there is some added mental um strain I think but there's also there's so many more positives than negatives you know like there's things I never thought would happen um like I had her by my side all the time and then one day I took her to the groomers and so she wasn't next to me for a while and suddenly I was getting cat called all the time and I was like why is everyone catcalling me? And I realized like I endured that all the time and I had like learned to just tune it out over my life and ignore it. But suddenly that doesn't happen anymore when she's by my side. Like no one calls me, no one like looks at me, like a guy will like look at me and like see her like look away, you know, like she like parts the Red Sea because she's like a, she's a big German Shepherd mix. You know, she's German Shepherd Mastiff. I've Um, seen a photo and she's a big for sure. Yeah. So, so people will like, just get out of our way. I mean, there was a time I was in downtown LA. Um, and I had to like go down this like alley corner was the fastest way back to my car. And like any other time I would not have gone down that way. Like as a woman, you know, you're not supposed to walk down that way. And there's some guys in the alley and I don't know what they're up to. And I was like, "Mm, this is like, this is not, you know, as a woman, you don't go down that, but I was hurting and it was the fastest way back to my car. And I had Kana at this point. I was like, I'm going to, like, I need to get back to my yeah. car. And they moved, they moved so fast to get out of our way. And it's, so, it's so nice. It's like this added benefit as a woman, like suddenly I just, you know, like I go, I can go grocery shopping at night and my car is like in a dark yeah. spot alone in the parking lot. And I'm like, I have a giant German shepherd next to me. Like I'm, I'm actually just I'm looking at work. your Instagram. You're, you're actually yeah. quite tall, aren't you? Yeah. I, I mean, not super tall, but I'm above average, five seven. Okay, yeah, she's gorgeous. So if Thanks. you guys want to go um, see her service dog, you can look on her Instagram, Cora Hell. Um, I would also. It's just interesting. The reason I was asking that is, um, fun fact: I trained dogs for eight years. Wow, um, that's cool. In high school, and well, when I was a kid, and I did like dog shows, American Kennel mm-hmm. Association, or yeah all the all the things um and we did uh therapy dogs we call it therapy dogs and went to to um nursing homes and took our dog mm-hmm. so that the people could interact with them and and mm-hmm. um there's actually i think just in general with animals and people with in, with with mental health issues physical health issues like i I think that there, it's kind of an untapped resource in terms of treatments and support for people with chronic illness. Yeah. Uh, like whether it be a cat or a dog or a horse or any other type of animal, it's like that. And it's like what you were it saying. a lot of therapy, yeah. Yeah, it's, the, it's like a lot of animals can, I can know something that's going on with you that you aren't even aware of yourself. Like right. If you're having a panic attack or you're about to have, they, they can sense that and can help yeah. break that pattern. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that it's just an untapped thing. And I've, 
I was chatting with a friend because she actually just, she's a Spoonie friend and she, she just started renting a, a horse. Wow. And she was like, I'm, she's like, they're I'm, so smart. Horses are so, so into. And they can also be very healing as well. Like she has chronic yeah. pain, but she can ride. And she's like, I'm just going to go spend time with this animal. Cause I know that's what I need in this season of healing. Yeah. And I was like, that's such a good point is like, I'd love to see more in the community coming around animals, dogs, horses, cats, all types of animals and the power that comes in that type of therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that's, I think animals, like you said, in general, um, are just so intuitive, you know, and fun fact, actually in the United States, um, they may have changed this recently. I think specifically for plane flights, they've changed this, but, um, you previously, especially for mobility assistance, they used, um, miniature ponies as mobility assistance animals also. So instead of a service dog, you could have a service pony. And they are built just as strong. They're, they're the same size as Kana. They're a little bit bigger than Kana, yeah. you know? So it doesn't take up any more space, except for they can't, like, lay under the table as well, you know? But, like, they they can be perfect, the perfect size for mobility assistance because horses can handle that kind of pressure on their back a lot better than dogs can. Um, so they're, they're yeah. look it up, there is such thing as a mobility assistance. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It cracks me up. I think there's one that does go on plane flights and they have like a whole Instagram account and stuff and it cracks me up um, and looks super cute. So random fact there. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, we're kind of drawing to the end of our time. Yeah. Any last questions you have there? Yeah. Last question is like, what advice or like, what, yeah, what advice would you give someone that's like kind of like maybe identifies with getting a service dog service animal like what's a starting point do you think um I think the first thing is to evaluate what support you have and what kind of condition you're in um I think a misconception that a lot of people have is that they expect them to just behave perfectly all the time and they're animals and they have feelings and needs and everything just like us you know like and while they are going to be life-changing and incredibly impactful and, and absolutely phenomenal, like you have to show up for them too, you know, and they're going to have days that they're sick. They're going to have days that they keep you up all night because they have some stomach bug. There are going to be days that you're in and out of the vet, you know, like you, you have to be prepared to take on extra work. So if you're at a place where you're like, I cannot handle anything else on my plate, I can't function. Um, which I've been there and I know that feeling and you don't have anyone in your household who can help you take your dog out. Like the dog has to have exercise. The dog has to be cared for. The dog has to go for walks and be played with. And, you know, and if you don't have the ability or or someone else to help you with that, um, then the service dog won't be the best assistance to you because they'll lose their training, um, and, or act out. So the first step I think is evaluating if you are in a place that you can care for a service dog, or if you have someone else who could do the caring part. So the service dog can take care of you. And like this designated person in the household can take care of the dog, you know? Um, And then the second thing is when talking to your doctor, you know, to apply for most of the programs here, I think all the programs here, you do have to have a doctor referral stating your condition and how they think that the service dog would help you. 
Um, and then just applying to as many programs as you can. You know, you never know which program is going to have availability, which program will accept you. Um, be prepared to do fundraising. It's uh, people are usually pretty supportive. The community is pretty supportive of helping uh, people raise the funds they need for service dogs. You can go to your local restaurant. They might run a deal for you to help you raise funds. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of options out there, you know, so make sure you're prepared to handle a service dog. Cause again, they're an entire other being that needs your care and attention. And, um, and then I, I mean, patient because it takes a while to get one and they're life-changing. They're absolutely worth it. They, yeah. Hannah has given me my life back. So I love that. Oh, there have been almost tears many times in this episode. <laughs> me hearing about your service dog. I love it. Yeah. And I feel like honestly, this, this conversation has been so helpful um, yeah. for me and just, I think for the community as well, just another thing that I think it's not talked about much in the chronic illness community is, is yeah. animals and how impactful they can be, how helpful they can be in so many different scenarios, whether it be mm-hmm. mobility, um, yeah. dog for the blind, for hearing impaired people, like um, all of these things, right? Right. So yeah, just something to have on the radar as another sort of like option for a lot of people in the community. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I mean, if you do guys, if you guys do have any other questions, you can always, you know, ask me and you can, I'll shoot some answers back and you guys can reach out to me on Instagram and be happy to answer any questions you have. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you on one of our next lives coming up here so i'm excited we'll watch this space fam yeah definitely definitely well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it coming on thanks for listening to the sound of hope podcast if you want access to show notes go to chronicope.org where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and make sure to follow us on our instagram at chronic underscore hope see you next week